Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? <laughs> What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from the basement of the Alamo to the Baxter building and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me, as always, is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, a conversation at a Death Star hallway is what's up right now. <laughs> if you're watching the stream, you may notice that uh, Mike is laughing relatively uncontrollably and somehow yeah. coming through the intro. Uh, <laughs> We had we had a mishap prior to the uh, it's, <laughs> prior yeah. to the launch, but uh, it just, would take longer to uh, <laughs> longer to it describe. really impossible to explain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's just say it was a Star Wars related mishap because that never that happens. <laughs> caused some comedy um, pre uh, pre uh, rolling here. Um, but yeah, here we are. Welcome to the Multiverse Report, brought to you by Funky Town Comics. Um, uh, thank you for. Um, allowing, I mean, you had nothing to do with this. I don't know really why I'm thanking you, but uh, we're doing this uh, on Friday night instead of a Sunday night due to some scheduling conflicts. So I guess uh, thank you for being flexible with our schedule. Uh, I mean, what, what do you care? You get an episode two days in advance. Hooray. Um, it's going to feel like a longer time before you get the next episode. So I guess I understand where that's coming from. But um, uh, yeah, some scheduling conflicts. I couldn't do Sunday Steve couldn't do Saturday and I couldn't do Monday. So Friday it is. Here we are. But fortunately, despite the uh, less amount of time between episodes, we still got a lot plenty of stuff of, to talk about. Tonight. Of and not, maybe, sorry. Yeah, maybe not a lot of stuff, but big stuff. Yeah. Talking about some big stuff tonight. So um, plenty, uh, plenty of time to fill an episode. So I've got my coffee. You've got your coffee. Don't awesome. worry. It's not caffeinated. Good. Good. Because we recorded um, at 948 at night. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Got a little bit of a late start due to the aforementioned Star Wars mishap. Um, but yeah, we're talking about a lot. We're going to do a uh, strike update. We're talking about some uh, big Marvel stuff, um, some long-awaited Marvel stuff, um, but also some Gal Gadot talking about Wonder Woman 3. Uh, we've got some comics reviews that we're going to be doing a little bit later, uh, some one-shots for you tonight as well. But starting it off with a solemn farewell at least for me and i'm interested to hear steve's opinion on this person but the in my opinion uh the world lost one of its funniest people in the history of comedy in the history of the world uh paul rubens uh passed away this past week uh peewee herman himself um apparently struggling a six-year battle with cancer of which he told um almost nobody Apparently, including uh, close friends of his did not know uh, that he was struggling with cancer. He kept it uh, very private, even issuing a statement to be posted on his social media after his death, saying, um, please forgive me for keeping all this uh, private from you for the last six years. I've enjoyed the privilege of entertaining you and blah, blah, blah. It's very um, uh, just a wonderful um, kind of sentiment that came out um, after his death. Um so uh, I grew up watching a show called Pee-wee's Playhouse in my youth. I loved it. I still love it. I have it on Blu-ray. It's the only place you can have it. It's not, not streaming anywhere I, as far as I know currently. Hmm. I was on Netflix for a while, but 
I'm glad that I own it now because I can watch it whenever I want. I can watch it with my son. My son enjoys it. Uh, Pee- uh, enjoys some Pee Wee Herman as well. Nice. Um, and Paul Rubens and also Pee Wee is one of those characters that like I I post something on Facebook about this because you know every once in a while like you know people die all the time. Celebrity, you know, not not a, not every celebrity death is like one that hits you really hard. This is one that hit me pretty hard. Um. Uh, because I've been laughing at Paul Rubens or with Paul Rubens my almost my entire life. Honestly, yeah. almost my entire life. Whether it's while he was actively making Pee Wee's Playhouse or making other, um, you know, he, you know, showing up in uh, cameos in other movies, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, he's very funny in. He does a great cameo in an episode of Thirty Rock, which is like one of the funniest things ever. He did um, a, a Netflix, a new Pee Wee movie for Netflix a yeah. few years ago, which I rewatched the day that he died. And I, I laugh from the first scene in that movie. I start laughing the first scene in that movie and I never stop. It's Pee Wee's Big Holiday is so funny. So, so funny. It's right up there with Pee Wee's Big Adventure for me. Just the two of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Nice. Um, yeah, so yeah. he's just been like the longest lasting source of comedy, I think, in my life. Like, I can't think of another human being that started making me laugh that long ago when I was that young that still makes me laugh to this day and I think it's rare and I said this when I posted it on Instagram I think it's rare to find somebody that or or to find someone that is doing comedy in a way that makes a six-year-old laugh uncontrollably but also makes a 41-year-old laugh uncontrollably and like Paul Rubens and his genius invention Pee Wee Herman had that ability to just be so silly and so pure, pure silliness and yeah. pure comedy that no matter what, how, no matter how old you are, you are laughing at this guy. You understand the jokes, you get it. It's just, just, just pure comedy. I, I think it's rare to find somebody that can get belly laughs out of, you know, a six year old and a 41 year old at the same time. So, yeah, um, and he I did I, uh, are, numerous times cross over into the Nerdosphere. He was actually in Batman Returns. Yep, as uh, yep. Penguin's father, right? Something like that. Yes, and he also came back and played a longer role of Penguin's father in Gotham. Oh, did he? Yes. So not ah. obviously different, right? You know, universe or whatever. But right. yeah, they but he's, they brought he's him the elder back Cobblepot in multiple in uh, Batman return in, in multiple universes nice. exactly yeah and, and also had course, a role in the uh, his uh, proto superhero film mystery men exactly the Stiller movie mystery that was Man, yes. that was actually a way better movie than it should have been I've actually never seen that movie oh really and it's, I, it's I remember to wanting to see it really bad when I when it came out because it was right at that time right before like yep superhero movies really started being a thing so it was still in that time when I was like desperate for any kind of comic booky superhero-y adaptations or content. And this was like original story, but I remember being like, Ben Stiller's in it, Pee Wee Herman's in it. Like, I got to oh, see this movie. And I mean, that just, cast, if, if you yeah. didn't know the full cast, Hank Azaria, Claire Forlani, uh, Janine Garofalo, uh, Susie Azard, uh, yeah. Greg Kinnear, William H. Macy, Kel Mitchell, Paul Rubens, Jeffrey Rush, Man. Ben Stiller, Tom Waits. Like, it's, yeah. they, there's some power there and they i know i it's it's a weirdly it's a better movie than it should be yeah i gotta i gotta finally sit down and watch that um 
But Steve, were you a, a Pee Wee guy growing up? Are you a Pee Wee Herman I mean, person I, or a Paul I grew Rubens up with, with the with the Playhouse and the whole nine. Yeah. Um, weirdly, uh, not to bring it back to our uh, sponsors, but Funky Town had those. Um, I don't know if yeah, you saw the figures. The, the figures. Yeah. So we walked in, and my six-year-old immediately latched onto Cherry. Oh, nice! Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that's "Oh, great. that's great!" Like, and, that is and amazing. as as you said, there's no way to see those. So I was like, "Yeah, you're never going to see that, buddy." But it was from a really funny show. <laughs> if you want to borrow the Blu-ray set from me, you can borrow or blue, take a disc at a time if yeah. you want. See if uh, your son likes it. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. Because it's just so funny. Um, and there's the great Christmas special we watch every year. There's a Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special that is mm-hmm. awesome. We watch that every year. Um, and uh, oh, what was I just going to say about... Oh, just like him in general. Like I'd heard this before before he passed, but so many people I saw posting online after he passed, like apparently in real life, he's just like the nicest guy ever. If he, If you were in his friend group and he knew your birthday he would like send you just birthday wishes all day long he would go above and beyond for you on Mm -hmm. your birthday every year like somebody that never forgot a birthday never forgot like an occasion i remember i heard story like he redid i think he did another broadway peewee show in like 2000 late 2000 teens somewhere he like right around the time of peewee's big holiday or before peewee's big holiday came out i think he revived his broadway show and i can't remember who it was but someone said that they brought their kids to see the show and that paul rubens knew that the kids were coming backstage and so he asked the cherry puppeteers to stay inside cherry to surprise the kids when they went to take a picture on cherry cherry came to life and started talking to them and it was you know just like little things like that like going above and beyond for his friends for people in his life uh he just seemed like the greatest guy ever and um i am truly sad to not uh be able to get any more um paul rubens um stuff in my life so did you know that paul rubens is the voice of rx24 also known as Rex from Star Tours. I sure did know that. I yes. did not. And that boggled oh, my really? mind. No, that's amazing. Because yep. apparently he has a credit from playing Rex in Rebels. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. they brought him back in Rebels. Yep. Um, he's also the voice of the ship in Flight of the Navigator. Wow. I have not heard that word in a long time. <laughs> huh. Okay. <laughs> Talk about bringing you back. <laughs> Um, okay. I remember when I saw that movie, what a, what a throwback to a like classic eighties kids movie, right? Yeah. I remember when I saw that movie when I was a kid, I didn't, there's like one scene where the robot's kind of going crazy and yep. he kind of slips into a bit of a peewee voice. And I was like, what? that's peewee Herman. <laughs> Herman doing that voice. Oh my God. It blew my mind. Uh, that's great. And then I realized it cause my son and I watched the rocketeer recently um mm-hmm. and that on Disney Plus after like the credits started rolling and then the suggestion was Flight of the Navigator and I was like oh yeah Paul Rubin I was like I don't know if that movie's still good like I should watch Flight of the Navigator again yeah. and see if it's actually good it someone tells up. me it's not actually good yep one of his first acting credits the Blues Brothers that's right he's got he's a cameo in the Blues Brothers yep so. yep and um you know looking at Pee Wee's Playhouse like we're spending way longer this, talking about yeah, Paul Rubin's is- and I did not expect this I expected, to be a, by the uh, way, but um uh you know I mean, he had a, a you know a fairly publicized scandal attached to him in like the early 90s um 
And then uh, there was like some kind of misunderstanding later on in his life with uh, being arrested again. Just um, kind of, I don't know. Certainly scandalous, not necessarily valid. I don't know. I could argue. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into that. But um, for people that like weren't around watching Pee Wee's Playhouse today and knowing that it came out in the late '80s or early '90s is pretty astounding. It's like a culturally diverse cast. Yep. Um, where Lawrence Fishburne, he, Holy he broke. Sh- why did broke, I never? What what just broke in my brain that I never put two and two together? Cowboy Curtis, yeah, man. The Cowboy Curtis yeah. was Lawrence Fishburne. Holy <laughs> I didn't, hell. I, it's amazing that Holy I didn't even have to say the character name, but I said like, Lawrence Fishburne, you immediately knew <laughs> it, that no, it was Cowboy it, Curtis. Like the, the, the gears just all fit together right there. How did that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that great? Just like a huge culturally, culturally diverse cast from like um, black actors, uh, women actors, Hispanic actors, uh, Jewish actors, actors like chair actors dog chair actors <laughs> globe actors pterodactyl actors puppet <laughs> but like but really though specific, like really a super diverse cast in the late 80s early 90s when it every other kid show is just full of white people um and also like talking about experiences like that like if you watch the peewee's christmas special they do a segment on hanukkah and like talk about like jewish culture and stuff like that like they christmas specials in the 80s never paid attention to Hanukkah at all like um it's just really great and I don't know he just it was that show and that character just kind of he was like a weirdo and I was a weirdo kid so like watching him made me think like oh it's okay to be a weirdo and it's okay to like weird things it's okay to act weird it's okay to feel like you don't fit in um and so I'll I'll always be grateful to Pee Wee Herman and uh Paul Rubens and always will hold special place in my heart and I will always rewatch those movies and laugh my absolute ass off as I did the other night watching uh, him fall in love with Joe Manganiello. I don't know if you've seen uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday, but it is no. worth a watch, my friend. Nice. Worth a watch. Because what I just said is the central part of that movie. <laughs> I have a D&D uh, aficionado, Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello. Yep. Um, two other notes on Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and then we can end the Pee Wee Herman yeah. report. Um, yeah. Can we start a separate podcast called I, the Pee Wee Herman Report yeah. where we review every episode <laughs> every of Pee Wee's Playhouse? That's great. Um, <laughs> no one else is doing that, no, right? No, that's, that's like, got to be a niche else that we can that. hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Captain Carl in the first season, Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, yep. And Natasha Leone was one of the kids in the first season. Yes, that's true. Yes. I, it's amazing what happens when you pull up, when you're remembering something from 30 years ago and... Yeah. Uh, also, a uh, production assistant on season one of Pee Wee's Playhouse, Rob Zombie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Jimmy Smith's apparently was. Oh on yeah. It. Yep. Oh yeah, he's in an episode of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Crazy. Yep. Small crazy. World. Small well, world. So yeah. You know what else is crazy? Um, what? The actors are still on strike. Actors are still on strike. Writers are still on strike. Things are. are still happening, or I should say nothing is still happening um, <laughs> in Hollywood. Can't say nothing, because not everybody's striking. Publicists, agents, directors, they're not on strike. But nothing's getting filmed, because writers aren't writing and actors aren't acting. One actor that's not acting, uh, his name is Stephen Amell. I'm sure we've mentioned him at some point on this podcast because he's, he's a star uh, of the show Arrow. Yeah, and uh, a Oliver avid Queen. Syracuse football fan. 
Yes, avid Syracuse football fan, avid Green Arrow actor, also avid um, scab, <laughs> possibly, seems, or seems possibly uh, avid future scab, possibly. Stephen Amell publicly came out this week admitting that he does not support striking. He thinks it's a reductive negotiating, negotiating tactic. He voted no on the strike, and that's fine. That's your business as an actor. You can vote no that you don't want to strike. But then I feel like once you're striking... I, hey, I'm not an actor. I'm not in the union. But everything I've read, everything I've seen, everything I've heard seems to be all about solidarity, regardless of how you voted. You voted no, fine, that's your business. But once your union is on strike, you need to support that strike, you need to support the union, and you don't give public statements saying that you don't, that you think striking is stupid <laughs> and that it shouldn't be happening. Um, so, yeah. Stephen Amell. I think kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit. He's probably not making too many friends over it. He's right. Or he's like attempting to attract an audience of, I don't know. I don't know. Non-union supporting. I was going to say he's looking to, to, to like look for an audience of all the CEOs of companies. I like, guess. I don't know. Who else know, maybe is that anti-union? <laughs> And maybe he's hoping Zaslav is like, oh, I'm going to remember Stephen Amell when this thing's over and give him the make him Batman in the DC or whatever. God, I hope from not. Green Arrow to Batman. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, Zachary Levi also gave some kind of speech uh, mocking the rules of the strike and calling them dumb that he couldn't talk about his like past um, work and stuff like that. Like, yo, man, like I get if you're supposed to be at a thing and talk it's hard to talk about stuff but like don't make fun of the strike you're part of it you're part of it zachary levi zachary levi done a lot of dumb like things i feel like recently his the 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 shine is starting to come off of his um star is that a metaphor there's not quite as much shazam as there could be yeah the shazam is uh falling a little flat lately on zachary levi so um for me anyway i don't know also, uh, noted asshole D- David Zaslav, so, apparently. Sorry, uh, I, <laughs> Brian in the chat. Uh, easy Brian, to say. You, what's up? Easy, easy to say you don't want to strike when you're basically always on strike since no one knows anything you've done other than Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Brian with the total uh, smackdown on Stephen Amell. Um, accurate. Accurate. Funny because it's true, Brian. Um. Uh, anyway, noted asshole David Zaslav, uh, president uh, and CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, apparently bragged to investors on a recent investors call about how much money Warner Brothers has been able to save during the strike because they haven't had to pay writers and actors. He was boasting that the strike has saved Warner Brothers close to $100 million. Isn't that great, David Zaslav? Looks like you got all that extra money that you could have been paying people for, not to mention your billions of dollars that you personally own that you could probably well i feel like david zaslav alone could end this strike yeah. in two minutes if he was like yeah just take all my millions of dollars that i have i'll just pay and he made five times that this year so why didn't yeah. he just give that back to warner brothers and they would have made the money because he's a greedy um, rich idiot also true the yeah. the thing is like don't don't they think that investors will understand that 
quote unquote saving close to a hundred million dollars also means that in the future you are not making any return on the lack of investment <laughs> yes, on your right? entire business model that is based on continually building things for the future. Yeah, like I don't know. I've never run a studio. I don't know David Zaslav. I don't know what it takes to be a CEO, but everything I read about him just screams that to me that he is an idiot. And that I could easily step in and run Warner Brothers Discovery. Because it, it seems like all you have to do is say yes to things or say no to things. And Simple. I feel like I could do a better job of that than he's doing. Because I don't think he's doing a very good job of that at all. Nope, we at have all. Fergus the podcast dog back again, if anyone hears. I noticed that little tail go in the background. Oh, yeah. So welcome to the pod, Fergus. Um, uh, however... Studios uh, have requested um, to resume negotiations with the Writers Guild of America. WGA will be sitting back down to talk and negotiate with um, the studios. So we will see. I'm not sure if that, I think that's taking place early next week, maybe. So we'll see if uh, yeah, anything. I think they had initially talked about today and then it might have oh, gotten today. pushed to next week. Okay. Um, with the whole so, you know, weekend thing. Um, yeah. Although, when I guess when you're striking, it's not really a weekend. I guess not. Yeah. It's either all, all weekend or no same. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see if anything comes of that. It'll be interesting to see. Because, um, you know, all reports have led to this both strikes going on for months and months and months. So um, interesting that they asked to come back to the table. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and one last thing uh, in our strike watch segment here. I uh, learned something right before uh, we came down to talk. I saw something online. Apparently, there's a rule where. Um, Disney um, doesn't pay Disney doesn't pay its actors on TV it pays them 88% of scale scale is like minimum wage for actors and so the actors don't even get full scale they get 88% of minimum wage and the idea is then and in the contract is that if this show goes for more than three seasons and is successful, you will get 100 percent of what you are owed. But have you ever noticed how a lot of shows will go for like two seasons and then the third season will have a slightly different title? We'll have like a subtitle or something like that. So apparently that counts as a new show. So Disney will do this. They will underpay their actors for up to two seasons. And then when it comes time to start paying them the full amount of what they are owed, they will retitle slash reboot the show in some way. Unreal. Be like, oh, now it takes now it's like whatever, you know, Mike and Steve ran for two seasons. But now third season three is called Mike and Steve colon California Adventures. Right. So well, it's technically even, a new show. Yeah, and it, so that's they, even crazier than what like Netflix was doing where they would just didn't want to pay after the first contract and would just like reboot the show or the cancel sh- the show. Yeah, um, yeah. Like this is even more egregious, it seems. It's the same thing. But that's like... Same concept, I, yeah. I saw this and then thought about Netflix shows. Like there's a show called Dino Trucks that my son um, watched for a while. And there's like two seasons of it. It's called Dino Trucks. And the third season is called like Dino Trucks Fully Loaded or something like that. And that's just so they can reboot it and not, uh, you know, have to pay anybody anything. I think that's wild. I think it's stupid. I think it's greedy and dumb. Greedy and dumb. Um, Steve has stepped out to take care of his dog. 
And I'm not so sure that I want to move on to the next segment without him here because it's a big deal. It's a big piece of news we're talking about tonight. It's some big Marvel news. Uh, so in the meantime, I'm going to bring up this. Uh, this is a rumor that uh, I heard today. Um, a friend of the pod, Matt Beseda, has mentioned that he has heard it several times. It is a rumor. It's a Star Wars-related rumor. And that Star Wars-related rumor is that Lucasfilm is considering having John Favreau and Dave Filoni turn season four of The Mandalorian, changing it from a series into a film. A de- like just reworking the script so it's not broken up into parts and it's an actual film. So I guess the idea of this would be a better, possibly a better, a better segue into the already announced Dave Filoni Mandalorian universe film that they have announced. They announced it at Star Wars Celebration back in April. We know that's happening. But we also knew that they already wrote a season four of The Mandalorian. So it was assumed that we were going to get a full fourth season of the Mandalorian before we get whatever happens in the movie. And then like maybe the show was going to culminate in a movie, all the shows, meaning Mandalorian skeleton crew, Ahsoka, possibly book of Boba Fett characters, like all these Disney plus shows that are happening around this time, post return of the Jedi pre force awakens time period. We're going to kind of come together in that movie. Now it's possible that we're going to get a straight Mandalorian movie. And then we get that culmination of that series. So I haven't really thought about this too much, but I don't know. I feel like I would, I can, I'm kind of split on, I guess I don't, I don't know if I have an opinion on this. And now Steve's sitting back down. So I'm going to ask him, Steve, I vamped. I, I didn't want to talk about the Marvel stuff without you here. <laughs> So I introduced the uh, Star Wars rumor that's been going around about Mando season four being turned into a movie. Yeah. So then we would be getting two Mandalorian movies, one being what would have been Mandalorian season four, and then later getting the previously announced at Star Wars Celebration, Dave Filoni culmination of Mandalorian and all the other Disney Plus shows movie. Do you have an opinion on this? Would you rather it be a series? Something... My gut is telling me I would rather it still be a series because that's how it was written and that's how it was conceived and then save the movie for like the big Mando verse culmination movie that they're kind of heralding that as or advertising that as. But I also wouldn't mind to see additional Mandalorian movies. What do you think about this? I think if they can actually keep the quality up for another season, then do that. And yeah. if you can't, then I have no problem trying to tie things up slightly in a movie. If you don't have the ideas and you don't have the you don't have the chops to keep going and actually make a full, you know, eight to ten episode season of television that isn't okay, half those episodes were good, then don't. Yeah. Like that's, that's actually true. I, that's that's, that's what good I feel point. like with half these studios. That's half the problem is they have this idea that's probably good and then they either try to stretch it or they don't let it breathe enough and then they're just hamstrung by whatever, like make a good movie or make a good TV series. I don't care how many episodes it is. I don't care right. whether how long it is or what. Well, yeah, I mean, I care how long it is. If it's, it's a three and a half hour movie then I can go shit in a hat. <laughs> but um, beyond the, like the, that's why I'm worried about seeing Oppenheimer. It was bad enough to have to sit through way of water in two days. Um, right. <laughs> like let alone a movie I want to see 
that's yeah. going to be three hours. Um, yeah. So yeah, I in my I brain, it's it's make make whatever works. If if the story dictates a movie, do a movie. Yeah, I guess. I guess I don't care necessarily as long as, like you said, as long as the final decision is fitting for uh, the story. Yeah. Like I hope what I hope that whatever the final decision is, it's made by John Favreau and Dave Filoni and not by some suit at Lucasfilm who just wants additional Star Wars movies right. instead of additional Star Wars shows. Like if John Favreau and Dave Filoni say, you know what? This would be way better as a movie because we can streamline it. We can cut out all this filler stuff to we, you know, I had to add all this like subplot stuff to fill out six episodes. It doesn't really need all that. We could make one lean and mean hour and a half movie yeah. that, you know, kicks ass. Then great. Give that to me. Absolutely. Um, and if you so can't, I just then don't hope that. Yeah. If you can't, then don't. If it needs to be a six episode miniseries because you have a lot of ideas, then yeah, do that. Give it to me whatever way makes most sense for the story. That's how I feel. Thank you for Fair. helping me come to that conclusion, Steve. Here we are. Um, Steve, I meant to save the can, but I didn't. But um, last week you were drinking that uh, beer that was had the thing on the cover. I yep. can't remember what it was called. Uh, I am drinking that beer right now. I'm nice. a Batman cup. <laughs> I meant to save the can to prove it, but you'll just have to believe me. And I chose this beer because I still had it in my refrigerator and I thought it was a perfect occasion to talk about. Um, First, perfect occasion to drink it based on what we're talking about tonight, which is uh, official. I mean, official not released by Disney, but all but confirmed. I was going to say as as official as what we're going to get in the strike. And as far as rumors go, as strong a rumor as we would trust. A strong enough yes. rumor that we are willing to bring it up. For sure. Um, broken by Mr. Jeff Snyder, a scooper say, that... Go figure. Uh, <laughs> yep. Steve and I um, fans this guy, trust this guy uh, with his scoops. Vanessa Kirby has been, according to Jeff Snyder, Vanessa Kirby has been cast as Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four film. Um, is broken on uh, his hot mic podcast. He said he is 99 to 100% sure that this is uh, certain, that this is happening. He also reiterated what we've talked about in the past, that we've heard in the past, that Sue is more or less the lead of the movie. It is, she's, that is the role. And that they are fine building the, like, building out the cast around Sue. Apparently, like, Sue Storm was the most important character to cast for this film. Uh, as we talked about in the past that they apparently offered it rumors that they offered it to Emma Stone. Yep. Couldn't pay her enough. Um, how they got in Vanessa Kirby. Uh, Vanessa Kirby, uh, you may know from the last two Mission Impossible films. Or you may know her from The Crown. Um, I've only seen her in the Mission Impossible movies, but Same. I do think she is a uh, very good. I think she's a great actress. And I think she uh, fits the look of Sue Storm. And I think she'd be great. I think she can definitely carry it. If it's going to be that kind of thing, she seems like she has based on the Mission Impossible stuff, seems like she has the chops to um, be a lead and carry this kind of movie. Yeah. No, so I'm down with that. It seems like a decent casting, um, especially, you know, with if it's going to be a Sue centric movie, uh, yeah. even better. 
like that that seems like it's going to be a, a new twist that i'm more than welcome to be you know uh, there for yeah because uh, i think that's a great way and a natural way to make it feel different than the first two fantastic four attempts yeah um because those were more i mean the original the the first two fantastic four and fantastic four rise of silver surfer those are pretty good about balancing it between all the characters i think like you get yeah kind of storylines i mean jessica alba was like super sexualized at least in that first one for sure she was a little bit too much eye candy and not I enough mean, substance, I think, in that early way that role was written. Yeah. And then in this in the Fantastic Four with like Miles Teller, it was really kind of centered around Reed. He was like his point of view, I, I right. felt. hundred percent. If they didn't really switch it up. So if it's gonna be focused kind of on Sue and her point of view, it definitely will feel like a different movie. And if she's yeah. the lead of the movie instead of Reed Richards or a full ensemble piece, it will definitely feel like it'll feel different, which is what they need. They need it to feel different than the other two attempts. Yeah. Well, the other thing that does, which I, I like is you don't get bogged down by the read stuff, especially if as the rumor is Galactus is going to be the villain. Yeah. So if we're, if we're leaning towards Galactus and still focusing on Reed. Then when Doom gets introduced, you have to revisit everything else that you revisited and go right. back to the whole read thing. So this way they can do this. And then when, you know, in the sequel or whatever, when Doom becomes the when when Victor becomes more than just a cameo at the end of the film, like they did with Thanos or whatever, yeah. then we'll be able to get the OK, this is the history and the backstory on Reed and Doom and the whole nine. So right. it opens it opens the door for a for that stuff in a more sensible location, if that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you touched on a couple other things uh, that Jeff Snyder announced on um, the Hot Mike podcast. He mentioned that Galactus will be the main villain and will be played by a Latino actor. They're going after a Latino actor. I think didn't we talk about didn't we hear months ago that they offered it to Antonio Banderas? And I was, think it was, was something his like name that. Yeah. Was like shout out for Galactus. Um, looks like they're still um, going down that road um, culturally, at least. And they're also saying that, uh, like you said, yeah, Jeff's is saying that Doctor Doom will be introduced at the end of the movie. Now he didn't go on a detail on that, so I'm not sure if like Doctor Doom, meaning like full mask. Right cape dr doom or just will victor. be introduced at the end and we we know victor the whole time like will victor be a part of the movie and then just be kind of become the villain at the end setting him up for a sequel i don't know please no. i don't know please no yeah yeah i, just, I kind of agree it's too much like it's too much it, right you're you're treading in spider-man 3 territory yeah now to yeah, ultimately spread into to ultimately end up in spider-man 3 territory uh, Jesse has a great option of starting straight up with Mole Man. <laughs> go right back. I would, go right to the. Go back right back to the basics. I would love, love, if they gave us Mole Man. Yeah. In the Mole Man in a Fantastic Four movie, because oh, like yeah. that's that's going back to like what the MCU used to do so well is just fully embracing the source material. Like, yeah, it's weird and it's dumb, and we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Talking Tree. Yep. We're doing it. Who cares? Yes, it looks silly on the page. 
And it, it might look silly in the movie, but we're going to make you love it. We're going to do it in a way that that shows you why it worked in the comic books. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have to get people that know how to make it work. And yeah. I feel like they haven't necessarily been pulling that off quite as well lately. Um, I mean, he so was their, great. literally their first villain in FF number one. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Hit like, it. you want to give us, you want to reboot it. Fantastic Four, give us the Mole Men. Yes, Jesse, you're right. 100% agree. Um, other bit of casting, um, according to Jeff Snyder, this one is not quite 99 to 100%, but fairly certain that Joseph Quinn. Um, Eddie Munson himself. Eddie Munson from Stranger Things season four will be or has been cast as Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four. He's got, um, I, I could see him with that energy. I can certainly see that. I can certainly see that. Um, also, there's a rumor this week that Matt Smith was offered prior to the strike, offered the role of Reed Richards. Um, that's not any I, kind of confirmation I whatsoever. Love Matt Smith, it's just but possible. I'm so Matt Smith out at this point. <laughs> it's like, you're Matt Smithed out. Just okay. just because he's shown up in so many high profile things so recently. Yeah. It seems like every at least every six months there's a new like, hey, look at Matt Smith again. Right. Like I yeah. want I, I liked my Matt Smith when he was the obscure, like people knew him from Doctor Who. And right. if you knew who Matt Smith was, it was a nice little like, yeah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> I do think he could pull off a good Reed Richards, though. Like I'm yeah. kind of in the same boat as you to where um, I don't think he's found something that really clicks for him post his stint on Doctor Who. Like he crushed it as doc as the doctor on yeah. Doctor Who. He was great Doctor Who. But his film career, uh, he's gotten some high profile roles for sure. I mean, like you said, he's been in Terminator movies. He was in Morbius, <laughs> you know, like House of the Dragon. Some of the greatest Crown. movies of all time. He was in everyone's favorite term- Terminator movie, everyone's famous favorite Spider-Man spin-off villain movie. Everybody's favorite uh Star Wars movie. What Star Wars movie is he in? Hmm? Oh, no, a... I'm thinking there was a... No, he was rumored to be yeah, in Rise of Skywalker. That's what, yeah. And he ended up not being in Rise of Skywalker. I I heard that it was possible that he was going to be a clone of the Emperor in oh, Rise yeah. of Skywalker. Yeah, and then that got, that changed it or something. Gotcha. I, I was yeah. thinking he had like a uh, Daniel Craig in Force Awakens type thing. Oh, like on. a Stormtrooper? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um... I think he could pull off a good Reed Richards if it's written well. I think he's a good actor. I think he could do it. He's like um he's like stiff enough and arrogant enough. I think he can play like Yeah, I could see that. arrogant enough to where you're not sure Yeah. if you should keep trusting him or not if he are you wait, are you an asshole? I mean, he um, he literally just has to play Damon Targaryen. Yes. Yeah. That's the yes. That's the other thing. I forgot that he was. Yeah. I knew there was one other big. You, you forgot the the major yeah. high profile thing that he's. Yeah. Done. The most recent. You remembered thing that Morbius. He's done. You remember him playing Milo yeah. Morbius. I do. Yep. <laughs> but not. Yeah. The lead on a Game of Thrones spinoff. Yes. Okay. Um. We'll give it to you. Apparently, uh, there's no information on the casting of the thing yet, but they are looking to cast an overweight white guy. Was the quote that Jeff Snyder uh, said. I'm on getting his hired. Podcast. Interesting. <laughs> Holy hell. Get that resume ready, buddy. Throw Let's that resume it. in. <laughs> um, also, um, this report says that Eben Moss Bachrock has been cast, but there's no word on who. Uh, Jeff Snyder is uh, suspecting that he possibly could be the Silver Surfer. 
Okay. Which I think if we're getting Galactus, it's likely that we'd be getting Silver Surfer if they want to follow comic continuity. It would if, be cool if, if they, they gave us Silver Surfer. At the same if time. they don't, I can't even comprehend it. I can't comprehend it. I mean, it would be well, insane. I guess, do you, would you just bring a different Herald or? I mean. Because it's not like Surfer wasn't the first Herald of Galactus. But or then nor, how else are they going to get to Silver Surfer, I feel like? Like, you've got to. Yeah. If you're going to do it, just do it. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be robbing us of the thing that we all associate with the Silver Surfer right. as being the Herald of Galactus. You know, like, we have just do it. But then also, like, then are we getting too close to the plot of Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer? Probably. Because that's kind of what the plot of that movie is, right? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, main villain will be Galactus. Doctor Doom introduced at the end. We're not going to get any official announcements of this probably after until after the SAG after strike is over. So this is all right. going to be like, you know, we trust um, Jeff Snyder and his outlet above the line as like a legitimate um, outlet for news. So um, I kind of believe that this is all going to happen, but we won't know for sure. There's not going to be any statement from Marvel or from Disney probably until after the strike. So. We will have to wait. Something we won't have to oh, wait. God. You know how busy we're going to be after the strike? Because they're just going to well, be like bang, bang, bang to try and get like people back in their good graces. Oh, like announcement wise? Yeah, oh, yeah. We're going to be busy as hell. Yeah, I agree. We will. It'll be a good time, though. It'll be exciting. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to complain. But then there's going to be a huge lull after they've announced a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But they still haven't made anything. <laughs> so we'll have to fill some time at some point. Um, something we won't have to wait. I, uh, I mean, who knows? Hopefully the strikes get resolved sooner than later, but um, people are saying like January or whatever, so um, we won't have to wait so long to see Loki Season 2. Yeah. Uh, Disney Plus dropped a trailer for Loki Season 2 the day after the sixth episode of Secret Invasion. Can't imagine why they did that immediately. Oh, wait. Don't forget. Don't forget we have something good coming out. <laughs> right. Sorry that you sorry you watched six episodes of this just terrible dumb show yeah see see this over here don't worry about it it's over here now yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> yeah don't forget about that just forget about that yeah, we'll never that, talk about it again <laughs> it didn't even happen um so yeah loki yeah, season yeah. two steve what'd you think of this trailer i that's uh, the first damn good thing marvel's put out in a long time uh what guardians volume three great yeah, I keep forgetting that that like that somehow exists outside continuity for me because like I agree. I think this. I feel the same way. I I think it was because it was such a stark difference to everything else that's come out. Where it's like, yes, okay, this is you know this is a solid B B minus. Okay, there's another solid B minus. Holy shit! There's an A plus. Oh, there's another B minus. Yeah, there's another B minus. I think honestly, Steve, I think you're right, and I think it's because. It didn't feel like a quote unquote Marvel movie. Yeah. It felt like a James Gunn movie. Yeah. Which is what a lot of Marvel movies used to feel like when they used to hire directors that had a vision and let them make a movie that they wanted to make. And and didn't mess with them like they did with Chloe Zhao. And didn't mess with them. Yeah. yeah. And again, I want to revisit Eternals. I want to watch that I, again because yeah. I didn't hate it the first time. And Same. I feel like if I went back now, I'd be like, oh, this is actually really great compared oh, yeah. to all the crap that we've gotten recently. Um. But yeah, Guardians 3 is just like it's I I I feel like it's a James Gunn movie and not an MCU movie, if that makes sense. And it's both of those things. Yeah. But uh, if you put it up against, I don't know, Thor, Love and Thunder or like Ant-Man 3, like 
what are we even talking about? <laughs> yeah. That's not even a conversation worth having. And as someone so who anyway, liked, like, relatively liked both those movies, it, it's a whole, like, compared to the masses, like, none of them were yeah. cinema. But, yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel like both Thor Love and Thunder and Quantumania, I enjoyed more than most people seem to, mm-hmm. but they were still shit. <laughs> yeah, they're still, they don't come close to the level of, like, yeah. Iron Man or Winter Soldier or... Yep. You know, Infinity War or anything like that, you know, like yeah. or just, any of the three Guardians movies. Yes. Or any of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yes. Yeah. So. So yeah. anyway, this seems to this seems to bring it back to that kind of feel of, OK, we're doing something unique. This doesn't look and feel like every single thing we've seen, yes. which is what the Disney like. Think of Disney TV when it started or Marvel TV when it started. You yeah. had uh, you had WandaVision, which was its own weird animal and then you had loki which was its own weird animal and both of them like after that it slowly got into the pattern like falcon and the winter soldier and then everything beyond it got into the pattern of okay same thing here we go let's do this again all right here we are and this this looks like a shot back to what we saw in season one but almost more i don't even know how to describe it but there was some other feeling that I got while watching it where it was like not more grounded, but more, okay, there's stakes or there's something. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, don't, um, I, I really enjoyed it. I agree with you. Uh, and I'm not somebody that, um, I didn't love season one of Loki. I thought it was good. Right. But a lot of people love it. They say it's like the best Marvel show. Like, I was like, this is fine, but I don't, I don't love it. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was fine, but I, it didn't knock me out like it did for a lot of other people. But I gotta say the trailer for season two, like you just said, looked better than anything I've seen in a long time. Looked better than a lot of the other Marvel shows that have come out since the season one of Loki. It just had such like a different style, a different look to it. Um, it's this great mix of, what looked like a lot of practical sets, but also a lot of CGI at the same time. Like it didn't look so clearly green screened, mm-hmm. um, just like highly stylized and cool stuff. And honestly, like we were talking about a couple weeks ago, I think I feel more connected to it because season one, then there's a post credit scene that set up season two. And now we're getting to season two of like, we're seeing like they teased that po- same post credit scene of Ant-Man Quantumania in the trailer for, in this trailer. Yeah. So like this is like that like you and I had a whole rant a few weeks ago about how like the connectivity is just gone. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel like anything we we don't know what's important because they don't know what's important and they're not teasing the right stuff or they're not teasing anything in these post credit scenes or they're teasing something that we'll forget about by the time they get back to it because we haven't seen shang chi in five years or whatever you know like we had that whole conversation and this is like oh this is a through line this is this this is telling me that this is important like i saw season one i saw the post-credit scene of ant-man quantumania and now i'm seeing the payoff of that post-credit scene which tells me that this is a through line i need to pay attention to right so like they set it up and it's working the way that it used to work for me in season phase one and phase two and you know um, the other post credit scenes line, that actually mean something. The other through line of everything recently that doesn't suck. Kehi Kwan. 
Yeah, man, that scene was excellent. <laughs> I didn't, I forgot that he was supposed to be in this show. And Same. when he walked out, I was like, oh, yes. I got so excited. And his performance in that scene, so funny. Oh, it's great. Him and Owen Wilson, hilarious. Yep. Um, uh, apparently, yeah. Loki is now glitching, like in Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. I thought the same thing. Yep. It was like a Spider-Verse thing. Um, and that or, effect looked cool, too. Like, that was yeah. clearly uh, CGI, but, like, that looked really good. That's yeah. good. Like, how do you not make that CGI? But they made it look not horrible. Yeah. It seems like they're spending the money on this show that they need to spend. Right. Uh, the money that they didn't spend on shows like Moon Knight and She-Hulk that had some less than great CGI. Um, you know, I like parts of both those. I like She-Hulk quite a bit. And I like yeah. parts of Moon Knight quite a bit, too. Um, but uh, I, forget, I don't know. I, I hope... Um, those movie or those shows existed. Jesus. Yeah. What it, I think it's like... This is a tangent because we kind of talked about how we were part of the reason that we are excited about the Marvel's trailer is that it seems like a step forward for the MCU instead of spinning its wheels like it has for a long time. Because the Marvel's is not only taking Captain Marvel, who's been in the movies, but it's also taking Ms. Marvel and Photon, who have been in the shows, have been in TV shows Mm -hmm. and integrating into the film and moving those characters forward instead of somebody like moon knight who where's where we're gonna see that guy again i don't know she hulk when are we gonna see her again like hawkeye when is any when is either hawkeye gonna come back like i don't know all these we saw these shows and they're just out there spinning their wheels i guess but like oh and they've they've full-blown set up a whole young avengers team and we're never gonna see that movie for another 10 years yeah when until they're they're not not, anymore they're no yeah the young avengers are no longer young then we'll see an old avengers team exactly um, but this is another instance of like, okay, show to movie, even though it was a post credit scene, show to movie, back to show, like, this is a through line. This this is going to feel like a step forward because they're moving the plot forward. Even, even yeah. if it's just a plot of these characters in this one series, this show, it's still a step forward instead of just like a, okay, yeah, it's going to be some big action thing, but then by the end, it's all going to be back to how it was before the story started because we can't upset the continuity of the movie that's coming out, Like, which is what Sacred Secret Invasion was, yeah. I felt like. Yep. Nick Fury is going to come back down to Earth and have this whole, you know, uninteresting um, uh, adventure or whatever, but then by the end, he's going to go back up into space because he's got to be up in space when the Marvels comes out in the fall. So, therefore, none of this matters, and it might as well have never happened. Um. Yeah. Anyway, this uh, season, this uh, series looks good. And yeah. as much as I was meh on season one of Loki, honestly, this trailer made me want to watch it again. So I think it's doing a good job as a trailer. It's working. Uh, for sure. Both the guys in the chat are with you on WandaVision being the best thing that the MCU's put up. Uh, t- TV wise, yeah. Um, yeah, WandaVision's up there for me. And um, I mean. Still, for my money, you can't beat Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night oh, is no. the best. Yeah, series Disney Plus thing. I w- I am one hundred percent with yeah. you there. Yeah, yeah. That was series wise gold. When I I've, yeah. I've I've very rarely had as much enjoyment watching an hour of television, which is I've weird for it. someone that isn't like crazy into like horror or horror the stuff, old classic yeah. like Universal monsters and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it was just really well done. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's probably the only phase four or phase five thing I've watched more than once. Yeah. So that alone. And, and, man lo- thing. and I will watch man it again. I'm going to watch it this Halloween. 
I'm definitely going to watch this Halloween again. And, and Man Great. Thing didn't look like shit. <laughs> yes. It looked so good. Yeah. That's, I mean, it was weird. I think I said this when we were talking about it, but like it was jarring because everything was so practical. Yeah. That and when then, a CGI creature showed up, it was like, oh, I can definitely tell that's yeah. not actually in that room because everything is clearly on a soundstage except this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was great. I loved it. Loved it. You know what else I love? What? Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. You do? I do. Not sick of her yet? No. Like a lot of people? I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman also. Um, a lot of people did. That's why that one of the reasons that that first movie, both movies uh, had a lot of people watching them. One movie had really great reviews. The other movie had meh to bleh reviews. Um, that being Wonder Woman 1984. Um, but Gal Gadot gave an interview, and apparently this story blew up this past week when in reality, I read today, or I heard today, that this interview happened like back in June or something. So this is like a two-month-old quote that somehow just exploded within the past week. Oh, yeah? and uh, oh. Yeah, and I'm not sure why it took this long to blow up. Weird. Very weird, because it's not like back in June we wouldn't have cared about this. But Gal Gadot giving an interview... Um, someone asked her about... Um, Wonder Woman 3. And she said that, you know, she loves playing Wonder Woman, blessing, blah, 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 blah. And she then she said, from what I've heard from James and from Peter, meaning James Gunn and Peter Safran, is that we're going to develop a Wonder Woman 3 together. End of quote. So, this was a surprise to hear because all information for me, pointed towards her not returning in the new James Gunn, Peter Safran, DCU. That's what we think, yeah. And I still think that. Yeah. I still think she's not coming back. Okay. Um, I feel like if you're casting a new Superman, which we already have, David Cornsweet is going to be Superman, and you're casting a new Batman, you got to cast a new Wonder Woman. Like we're talking about the DC Trinity for a new universe that's supposed to be a reboot. I think you got to get a new Wonder Woman. I think this is. I think this is. I think this is Warner Brothers or James Gunn or whoever. I think this is letting Gal Gadot save a little bit of face for the time being until they recast Wonder Woman. I could see that. And. I think it's important to know, even in her quote, she said that we're going to develop a Wonder Woman 3 together. She doesn't say, I'm going to star in Wonder Woman 3 <laughs> under the guy, under the leadership of Gunn and Safran. So maybe she's just going to be like a producer on it. I don't know. Like that might be, I'm probably reading into it too much for that. Right. But the biggest thing that I think, the biggest thing that I see as a reason to not really believe this or not take it at face value, or take it with a grain of salt, however you want to say, um, is that James Gunn hasn't confirmed it. Right. And how many times has James James Gunn said, don't believe anything unless it's from my mouth or from Peter's mouth. Like, like, don't believe any rumor until then. We're like, we're at least two or three days post-resurfacing of this, which would have been within the time frame that he would confirm it. Like yes. usually he's and pretty quick exactly. on if something comes out. Like exactly, okay, and he yeah. hasn't 
he hasn't retweeted anything. He hasn't responded to anything. He hasn't like when. I mean, that could just ho- be because Twitter's shitting itself and down half sure. the time. But but he's also very active on things like Blue Sky and Threads also. So he mm. would have the opportunity yeah. to confirm it. And like when Hollywood Reporter broke David Cornsweet and Rachel Brosnahan as Clark and Lois. He immediately retweeted and said, yep, this is true. And nothing like that from this. So I I think, I don't think this is true. And then today when I was listening to the Hot Mike podcast with John Roca and Jeff Snyder, Jeff Snyder said a similar thing. He referred to this as a nonsense story and said that they are, quote unquote, yeah, yeah-ing her. They're saying, yeah, 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 sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for now, sense. until we recast. So I think for the sake, I think if you're rebooting if you're tasked with rebooting the DC universe, you got to do a you got to reboot all the at least the main characters. Like again, he has said that Peacemaker's sticking around. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Viola Davis is perfect casting as Amanda Waller. She's sticking around. Great. I hope Calls. that Margot Robbie sticks around as Harley Quinn. But like, if you are, like I like I already said, if you're, it's like DC's Trinity is a big deal. Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. If you're getting two new ones and sticking around the old third one, like that's just confusing. It's confusing for audiences, I think. Yeah. One woman needs to be calls. a tentpole of your universe. And so she's got to, if you're going to reboot the other two, you got to reboot. So I do Fair. not think for a second that she's going to come back as one woman again. Yeah. Calls in the chat for everything except Suicide Squad to get re. Uh, yeah, dude. Reconfigured. So I'm sure. I mean. I mean, spoilers for the Suicide Squad. A lot of characters didn't make it out of that movie, so it's right. okay to re like like Nathan Fillion's going to be Guy Gardner all of a sudden when yeah. he was the detachable kid. But like, yeah, Do you give have me... to recast Starro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Keep, yeah. I'm looking at. I'm sorry. I keep looking over here to look at my Suicide Squad poster to make sure I'm l- knowing all of the characters. But yeah, I w- I would love Margot Robbie to continue as Harley Quinn. We are pretty certain that John Cena is going to continue as Peacemaker, which is just insane that the character of Peacemaker is even, that we're even talking that about. it's even in this discussion. The character yeah. of Peacemaker at all. Fucking wild. Yeah. Sorry. Absolutely um, insane. Uh, I mean, King Shark, incredible, and Ratcatcher and Bloodsport. So I guess that's a good, that's a, good handful of the main characters from that movie I would like to see stick around. I would love Idris Elba to come back as a blood sport. Put him in uh, Superman Legacy. There's a line in Suicide Squad. He's in jail because he tried to kill Superman. You got a good Superman villain right there. Give him Idris Elba a cameo in Superman Legacy. Come on. Come on. That'd be cool. Anyway, I don't think Gal Gadot sticking around as Wonder Woman. Uh, So sorry for those Gal Gadot fans out there. And sorry to Gal Gadot yourself because I'm sure you're going to be crushed when James Gunn gives you that call or maybe you've already had that conversation and you're just again trying to save some face um, you know, I'm trying to think like we the peacemaker discussion yeah how it's completely wild like I guess the MCU has been around long enough that we're into that tier of oh characters. yeah we've been into that tier since Guardians of the Galaxy came well yeah but another yeah. James Gunn decision <laughs> <laughs> right seems to be a recurring theme yeah but it's like even like Moon Knight is probably close yeah. to that and we got a series so right okay yeah yeah but you now know. like the mcu 
I feel like is introducing too many lower tier characters without giving them the care that they need to develop a relationship with the audience. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like James Gunn really like took the time to make us love the Guardians of the Galaxy. Whereas I'm trying to think of another example. I don't know. Some of the stuff like some of the characters being thrown in to shows randomly or whatever, like they just don't feel like I'm not attached to Gaia from Secret Invasion. I'm not attached to um, I'm not even really Moon Knight that much. Like he was good, but like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like a singular story that, you know, Moon Knight's a different character because he's fractured. He's different personality. So like, it's hard to connect to Moon Knight when he's like four different characters at the same time. I guess that's a weird example. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, James kind of said several times that they don't, he doesn't want to spread like DC doesn't, he doesn't want to spread it to spread themselves too thin at DC. So I hope that they're still going to keep that in mind as far as like, we need to let this character like uh, sizzle for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So people will like them. Um, speaking of things that uh, James Gunn has said that I believe what we're, I don't think we're even talking about that, but now we are. Um, this is uh, very exciting. James Gunn um, says that DC animated films will receive theatrical releases. What? Whoa. After clarifying via social media that the uh, recently announced Crisis on Infinite Earths animated film will not factor into his reboot at all. That's what you and I were speculating on that. Remember when they announced the Crisis on Infinite Earths and we were like, oh, perfect way to wrap up the current DC animated universe in time for James Gunn's. Apparently it's not going to affect that at all. Um, But then after that, a fan asked if if future DC animated films would ever receive theatrical releases and James Gunn responded, yes. No uh, further clarification or anything, but, but holy shit, man. Like... This could be what you and I were talking about. Like, why aren't they making more films that are accessible for younger audiences? Yeah. Um, You know, and uh, honestly, I mean, there's a lot of DC animated stuff that is not for under younger audiences at all. Very true. But, you know, you slip a PG or PG-13 animated movie in there, Superman movie, Batman movie, people are going to go see that in the theater if it's good. So I think this is awesome that it's possible that we're going to, you know, he just said yes. He didn't. I can't I can't imagine that like in the past DC has really cranked these out. They have put out a lot of animated content. So if everything but now if everything is going to be wrapped in the same continuity, they may not be able to like pump them out as much as they used to. Mm -hmm. But still, I can't imagine that every DC animated film is going to get a theatrical release. But the fact that some of them will or there's possible that some of them will, I think is awesome. Awesome. Super cool. Absolutely. Um, all right, Star Wars rumor. We already talked about that. Um, before we get into some comics reviews, I have a quick story. I was going through a um, a bag of old stuff. Uh, my mom asked me to come over and look at some old stuff that she was going to throw away that I had left at the house um, to see if there was anything that I wanted. And I was looking through it, and there were some like old notebooks that I kept or whatever that had like you know song lyrics or whatever in them. Um, old books and things like that. Um, I um, 
during the mid 2000s, spent some time in uh, New York City or outside of New York City in New Jersey, um, working in New York City, various terrible jobs. Um, and when I was in New York City, I would go to Midtown Comics because I'm As not an idiot. Does. Where else am I going to go? And this was a time when um, I wasn't necessarily loving my life in general. And I was kind of rediscovering comic books as a way to, uh, you know, make me feel better <laughs> about where I was, uh, an outlet, uh, if you will. So I can't say that I was like uh, super into comics or n- I, you know, I wasn't so like where I am now where I like, I know the names of writers and I know the yeah. and I know the industry, you know, more, but I was like, oh, these X-Men books are pretty good. I might start picking this up. Or, you know, I was the guy that went to Midtown Comics and stood and read five issues and then walked out without buying anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but no one noticed because it was busy or whatever. Um, so anyway, apparently, uh, at some point in the early fall of 2005, I was at Midtown Comics and I was given a ticket to meet Jim Lee at a signing. And I didn't go. Jesus. Because <laughs> <laughs> I still have the ticket. I still have Makes the sense. ticket. So apparently Jim Lee was going to do a signing at Midtown Comics, and I don't remember getting this. I don't remember asking for it or having it handed to me. I can only assume that at two, in 2005, I did not know who Jim Lee was, or I did not know him by name. Right. So like at 2005, I had read a bunch of his X-Men books. Um, I don't know. When did Hush come out? I don't know if I'd read Batman Hush yet. I don't think I had. So I that's when I, I that's when I started knowing Jim Lee's name is when I read Hush. So I don't think that I had read Hush by now. Um, uh, Batman, but apparently Batman someone Hush mentioned was 2002. 2002. Hush was 2002. Oh, maybe I'm wrong then. Maybe I'm an idiot. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely an idiot because I didn't go see Jim Lee. But I'm just trying sure. to make myself feel better about uh, um, about not. So, uh, like I said, I don't remember asking for this. I don't remember being given to me. Oh. I don't remember keeping it, but I found it. Um, and I just figured I'd share it with our audience as to, uh, to show how much of an idiot I was in 2005. Yeah. For the record, Lee, uh, I didn't. Jesse hates you for the chat. Sorry, Jesse. Yeah, I'm dumb. You, you deserve to hate me. I deserve to be hated for this one thing, but that's it. That's it. I deserve to be loved for everything else except the one thing that I just mentioned about not knowing Jim Lee in 2005. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. my story. Well, there we go. Um, have you ever gotten a chance to meet Jim Lee and said no? I have not. No, I have not. <laughs> have you ever gotten a chance to meet Jim Lee and said yes? No. Hmm. I feel like the equivalent would be like, I guess for me, if like I had the chance to meet Claremont and just missed it or so, like similar yeah. concept, like, yeah, no, that, that sucks, man. It sucks, man. I mean, in yeah, hindsight, yeah. You, in hindsight like, you had no idea. Like until yeah, you found that, you right. had no idea this even happened. <laughs> yeah, I was living in like just sheer like I was a whole ignorance is bliss kind of yeah. mentality I was going through my life with apparently, and now like I don't know it's so long ago right. that I can't I'm not really mad at myself and I'm like oh god damn it I could have met Jim Lee that would have been cool mm-hmm. like what was I doing on October 14th in 2025 that or 2005 that I couldn't go to meet Jim Lee I don't know I don't know I don't know. Anyway, that's my story. Something, I'm sure. That's my story. Um, Steve, you want to do some comic reviews? Sure. 
would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I'll go first if you'd like. Okay, what do you got this week? Uh, this These week. are ad- advanced copies of books that we got from our friends at Funky Town Comics, mm. and they will be in the store this coming Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, Funky Town Comics. Steve, what do you got for the people? So mine is already in the store, actually. Mm. Uh, copy of the 2023 uh, The Incredible Hulk run. Uh, this one oh. is written by... Had it written down. Don't know where I put it. But um, a a new reboot on the Hulk um, this year. I know they re- they had redone one in 2021. Um, yeah. After the whole Amadeus Cho thing, and uh, now this is another reboot um, with Phil Kennedy Johnson, who you might know from for from some Superman stuff and various other mm-hmm. uh, various other things. Um, Nick Klein on the pencils and cover art. Um, I I enjoyed it. It was a new take on the Hulk uh, in that um, you're looking at Hulk post um, post Immortal Hulk, which I don't know if you knew the concept of what was going on with that. Yeah, I have um, volume one of Immortal Hulk. It's great. OK, yeah, that was a phenomenal run. Yeah, uh, but they was the green. What the hell was what was the thing that they like that they could anybody that was gamma infused could re oh yeah uh, i don't like the green yeah i keep wanting to say green street and i know that's not it but yeah whatever the the thing that caused them to be able to be immortal um that is apparently drawing i guess more classic style monsters toward the hulk and so there's there's a lot of horror elements to the book uh, and this is just issue one. I think two is out and three is coming soon. Um, two might have dropped last week, but um, it, it it was it was definitely a a look at the Hulk you haven't seen where Banner is very much not in control anymore. Oh, cool! So we've That's had kind of Hulk. Man. Yeah, we've That's had a lot of Banner in control lately, and yeah. this is very much Banner is running away from the Hulk. Uh, so that when Hulk shows up, it's not uh, going to affect humanity. So we're we're back okay. in that mode again. Plus, we have uh, monsters coming after Hulk, which alluded to something to do with the the gamma radiation thing, and um, with that being done now, that there's some uh, other plot thread that'll come in later. Dude, that sounds awesome. Green door. Yes, thank you, Brian. Um, green door so the the whole the first first thing you see is i mean literally the first panels are uh quite um quite horror hulky oh man yeah and we're we're right into like these monsters that are coming after hulk and the first thing they mention is stuff about the green door and that they're free because of that being closed and yeah it's uh that is awesome it's it's enough that i probably will go back and grab some more that makes me want to get it yeah. for sure who's the what's the creative team uh phil kennedy johnson nick klein and uh colors by matt wilson so pretty good wow pretty cool solid. man that's awesome um yeah i might have to check that out like i'm like i'm someone that I feel like I, I do really like the Hulk as a character, but I prefer 
I like the classic uh, can't control the monster yeah. Hulk. Like, I don't like Smart Hulk as much. It's just not as interesting. It's, it's interesting yeah. when you lose, con- it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing, when you lose control or werewolf, whatever, like classic universal monster thing, almost. Right. You lose control. You don't know what happened. You're responsible. That's like the coolest thing. I, I mean, get that's that the whole impetus for the Hulk. And yes, like yeah. Smart Hulk was a it was a it was a cool one off when they did it. Sure. But like even in even in the MCU, like that that's the standard now. You're just like, okay, come on. We're it's not the Hulk. Yeah. yeah. I get that like it might be hard to continue to tell stories for sixty years of someone who's not in control of their superhero side, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um but still, like, I don't know. Maybe Maybe don't try to tell superhero stories. Maybe try to tell Hulk stories, like right to the character and not try to fit the character into the rest of the Marvel universe. So, you know, like make, make it a an good outlier. movie. Yeah, make a good comic. Make a good movie. Exactly. Don't don't worry about fitting it into the puzzle. Yeah, right make for it, the character. Figure it out. Focus on what makes the character interesting, which is he cannot control <laughs> the right. most powerful uh being in the world yeah, yeah it's literally the dichotomy between the s- s- third smartest man alive and the most vicious like yeah. primeval yep. primordial uh response like it's the the full dichotomy that makes it right. such a compelling character yeah agreed agreed cool uh good recommendation uh my review this week is superman 2023 annual um a lot of popular titles will do an annual edition uh, once a year, hence the, the title annual. Um, yeah, and it's means? kind of an ex- What's that? So that's what that means. That's what that means. Weird. It's kind of an excuse for um, creative teams or writers to maybe plug holes in an existing story, catch people up on threads from previous stories, things like that, like addressing things that are kind of outside you know, outside the main continuity, maybe you get the, you get the origin of a character that you met in the the regular series or whatever. You know, so you know, an annual is it is part of the the series that you're reading, but it's sometimes just like a somewhat of a, a different story, kind of like a popped out kind of story. Um, this is no different. Uh, Superman annual for 2023. It's called The City of Secrets. It's the main writer on the main Superman series currently, Josh Williamson. Uh, who's been all over DC in the last few years. Uh, art is split up. This is like a, um, a, it's a, a lot of annuals are kind of like double sized issues or like are, are bigger giant size kind of books. Um, the artist's art is split up between Muhammad R. Uh, Asrar, Edwin Galman, Caitlin Yarsky, Max Raynor, and Jack Herbert. So they're all over the place. A uh, bunch of different colorists and uh, cover artists as well. It's a great book. Um, I, st- I read the first few issues of the new Superman launch when they launched with the new number one with Josh Williamson. Uh, really cool. This is a great jumping on point. If you are interested in the Superman character or you missed the first few issues of the new Superman run, I think they're maybe on like six or seven. Like they're not too far into the actual run proper. Um, but this does a lot to kind of catch you up and let you know the things that have happened uh, if you have missed the first few issues. Um, and there's a lot, like the new Williamson run is, is there's a lot of changes going on. Lex Luthor is in jail, and he ch- has his last wish before going off to jail is changing LexCorp to SuperCorp. And he has, um, everybody at LexCorp is now 
whether Superman wants it or not, working for Superman. And he has kind of begrudgingly started to utilize them, um, you know, to like analyze things that he finds or like to give him and feed him information on things that he's encountering. Like he's begrudgingly starting. He was dubious about it at first, obviously, because it's Lex Luthor. You can't trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's starting to utilize them a little bit more. Um, but the cooler thing about this issue that I really liked is that for the vast majority of it, it is focused on the side characters of Superman's life. And although it does have some really great, this splash page specifically of Superman battling uh, Toy Man in Metropolis, pretty dope double page splash. And I love that it's the Toy Man design from the Superman animated series. Super cool. Um uh, this issue is really about Lois. Lois is currently Perry White has either retired or is on medical leave, I, I believe. And Lois is current uh, acting editor in chief of the Daily Planet. Makes perfect sense that she would get that promotion at some point in her career. Love it. Um, and this is kind of about um, her and her team um, kind of spreading out in different assignments across Metropolis and like kind of learning what's going on. Um, so in, in that is a way to catch you up on everything that's going on in the city, everything that's going on in different corners of like kind of the universe. Cause she's sending her, sending her reporters out and asking them for feedback on a lot of different stuff. Um, and it's really interesting. It's really good. And it kind of sets up, there's like a mystery that Lois is trying to solve about Lex Luthor and his time early, his early time in Metropolis moving forward. And it kind of sets up that as a, uh, um, a, something that will move forward with, uh, you know, when we, when you jump back to the regular, uh, continuity. So, um, Superman annual 2023 on stands this Wednesday, I recommend it. If you're a fan of Superman or if you're interested in seeing what's going on in modern Superman comics, uh, or you want to read some, you know, badass Lois Lane stuff, pick it up. It's great. I recommend it. There you go. That's a good, it's a good jumping on point for anybody interested in the current run for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this week in your local comic book store, you will find Amazing Spider-Man number 31, Avengers number 4, Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries number 11, coming to the close of that series, almost over at 12. Batman and Devastated. I know. Uh, You'll have to go back and read the series from 2020, 2021. You've already got four of the floppies because they randomly had them at a different comic shop. Oh, that's right. You told me that. You told me that. Perfect. Uh, Batman Incorporated, number 11. Batman Superman World's Finest, number 17. Captain Marvel Dark Tempest, number 2. Children of the Vault, number 1. Damn Them All, number 7. Don't know what that is, just a cool title. Danger Street, number 8. Danger Street is a book I know nothing about other than Tom King is writing it and it takes place in the DC universe. At least all the covers are hardcore DC characters. I don't know what it's about, but it's Tom King and it's DC, so I feel like I'm going to check it out at some point. Uh, Gargoyles Dark Ages number two Ghost Rider Wolverine Weapons of Vengeance number one Keat Seeker Gun Honey number two House of Slaughter number 16 Um, more Night Terrors coming out this week DC's Night Terrors number three and we also have Night Terrors Flash number two Night Terrors Shazam number two Night Terrors Green Lantern number two Night Terrors Robin number two Night Terrors Zatanna number two which I'm definitely going to pick up because Night Terrors Zatanna number one was awesome Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man number nine, Silk number four, Spider-Man 2023 annual, uh, Star Wars number 37, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, Max Rebo one shot. Got to see what's going on with my man Max Rebo. 
Uh, the aforementioned Superman 2023 annual, Vampirella Dracula Rage, number one, and World's Finest Teen Titans, number two. All wonderful books that will be appearing in your local comic book store this week. Mm-hmm. Steve, you pulling anything? Anything you're excited about? Anything you're reading? Well, I've got to gotta give a shout out to my favorite uh, Ortolan, Max Rebo. Like that's. Uh, yeah. He's getting his due. Finally. Yeah. Part of um, the uh, anniversary of Return of the Jedi series that they've been putting out. Yep, I did get um, Ewoks and Empire. I got Ewoks. My son got Ewoks. He yep. saw he saw Ewoks on a comic book stand and wouldn't let me leave the store without buying it for him. <laughs> Which like, we buy weirdly it. has zero words in the entire thing. Yeah, that's great. It was great. I loved it though. No, yeah. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, not even Ewok words. Just no, no dialogue. Yeah, no yubnubs, no nothing. Uh, so yeah. That uh, that'll be on the list. The other thing is, um, so last week I pulled or I grabbed Hellfire Gala, and uh, yeah. unfortunately for my sanity and my wallet, uh, it really sent me on a oh god, I need to get back into this for Fall of X thing. Oh, because it actually was compelling. What was oh like okay. the 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 shakeup was compelling enough that I'm like yeah I'd like to see where this goes, um, right. and it's very Shadowcat focused, which is always good in my book. You did mention um, that, yeah. So I'm I I don't know what children of the vault children of the vault is going to end up uh, what direction that's going to go, but um, I know from that Wolverine is off doing his own thing uh, compared yeah. to the rest of everybody. Go figure, uh, and apparently teaming up with Ghost Rider. So. Yeah, that's a Who cool knows? team up. Who knows where that'll go? Um, the the other thing I read was well, I I actually read all three books I bought from uh, Funky Town Comics and Vinyl. Wow, congratulations! I know I, it's a big week. Um, <laughs> Ultimate Invasion two, so Ultimate Invasion, mm-hmm. which so I guess rewind on the Ultimate Invasion thing. Go back a couple of years. Who was supposed to pen Ultimate Invasion? Oh, we talked about this. Donnie Cates. Yeah, who we just found out recently had some serious issues from a car crash. Was in a very serious car accident, and that's why he kind of dropped off the map for a yeah. little bit. Dropped off the books he was supposed to. He was writing Hulk for a while. He was writing. He just oh, I think his Venom, Venom run ended. Yeah, right? Venom ended. But, he was on Hulk. He and Stegman yeah. were going to do a solo thing. Um, yep. it, like he was on top of the world and just yeah. like yeah, disappeared it, without a trace. And par- now we know now why. We know why. He was in a very serious car accident. Yeah. So, and he's, you know, hopefully working, working his way back towards from what we, from what the, everything came out just even towards normal function. So, yeah. Uh, you know, best wishes out to him for a speedy recovery and yeah, for sure. Um, but in his stead, Jonathan Hickman, the mad genius that he is took over the reins for ultimate invasion and right now, uh, the maker, uh, which I don't know if you know the concept of the maker, I don't um, think so. Professor X doing weird and stupid things uh, in an alternate dimension, um, okay. manipulating everything and f- making what he what his vision is. Uh, so right now we're in a uh, maker and Tony Stark uh, or Howard Stark. Um, situation and oh it's it's as weird as it sounds and i don't know what (laughs) i don't know what hickman's cooking but i like it (laughs) 
Wow, cool. So all right. And then my my continuation of uh Last Ronin, um this is the Lost oh, Day yeah. special one shot. Uh which so for anyone who is a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with the movie coming out soon, they've continued on uh the saga. I mean they they're still making Turtles books for since time. Yeah. But they picked up uh the Last Ronin saga, which was one of or three of the turtles are gone and there is a last Ronin out there. Right. Uh, and this is the continuation of that arc uh, of what happened. And um, actually in this lost day and uh, some of the other books, a new set of four turtles being trained by April's daughter. That's cool. So April and Casey wow. had a daughter and she Ooh. is the turtle, the Bravo. new turtle sensei whoa yeah that's cool dude yeah so you're like <laughs> years really cool. in the future and it's a, a, a unique take on it so um definitely a fun you know it i'll i'll throw the uh, the last round of books on the uh the the pile of shit that yeah, mike needs it someday that uh will never including like the darth vader comics and various other things yep. where you're like yeah it's a yeah i should pile. read those but Yep. You know, basically, Mike and I need to just trade collections at some point. Yeah, them, we really but... should just trade bookshelves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, crazy. Um, How about you? What's uh, what's um, new in your comic world? Um, I don't know. Did I read anything else this week besides Superman Annual 2023? <laughs> um, I don't know that I did. Oh, I read the uh, Z- Zatanna Night Terrors mm. book, yep. which I'm um, I loved so much. I'm actually gonna, I think, film like a short Instagram video about it because the second one, I'm so excited for the second one. It was like, um, I don't know, it was just awesome. It just was really cool and like utilized her powers in a cool way. That was just, it was just like, bam, off to the races, like nonstop, no. Uh, filler. I just loved it. So I read that. I'm going to read uh, number two for sure when it comes out this week. Well, film is, film is a regular video and we can put it up as a short on YouTube too. Oh, okay. There we go. We'll do. Um, uh, I don't know if I read anything else, but my scheduling conflict uh, that why we're not recording on Sunday is that I'm going to be at a lake house for the majority of next week um, chilling with my family. Um, and in that time, I plan to read a lot. I'm going to bring, I, I currently now own volumes one and two, the complete set hardcover of uh, Human Target, Tom King, Greg Smallwood, Human Target. I'm going to, I want to read both of those. Um, I don't know. I've got like Batman Beyond the White Knight. I've got so many graphic novels. I've got From Hell that I started reading and I haven't finished. Like there's so much that I want to bring. I don't want to overload myself because I don't mind to be able to read everything mm-hmm. so i had long story short i haven't read much this week but i plan on reading a lot this coming week gotcha so next week i will be able to um speak to that uh, a bit more and also it's possible that tomorrow i will be going to see the new ninja turtles movie mutant oh Mayhem. nice um so i will be able to speak to that as well i'm uh, i'm very disappointed in um my situation on that I'm very happy that I'm going to see it with my son. I'm not as happy that we have to wait until the 15th because he wants to see it with his good buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. So I don't know. My son knows because he like watches like YouTube stuff and they keep telling him that it's coming out tomorrow. (laughs) Like he sees trailers for it and stuff. So he like knows 
that is coming out tomorrow or coming out today. So I don't know that we have time to see it tomorrow. And if we don't, he'll be crushed because he mm. really wants to see it. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully I get to see it tomorrow. Nice. Or I can sneak away from the lake house for a night with him and we can go see it. Yeah. Um, I've heard good speaking things, of which, so. before we do one shots real quick, I'll tell you, because you mentioned it early in the podcast, I saw Oppenheimer this week. Oh, I thought it was nice. awesome. I That's, loved it. I've, again, I've heard absolute magnum opus. Wonderful movie. Yeah. It's definitely three hours long. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's a movie that is mostly people talking to each other in rooms Mm -hmm. and you can like, I went to the bathroom at one point. I didn't, I just left. I came back. I still knew exactly what was happening. Right. (laughs) Like it was like, it's fine. It's a long movie, but you're not missing, you're not missing an action set or as long as you don't go during the testing of the atom bomb, you're good to go. Yeah. (laughs) And you, You'll know when that's happening. You'll know when that's coming up because you start to feel very anxious or yeah. I did. Um, yeah, it's really good. Everyone like there's no way it's not going to be nominated for best picture. Everybody in it is going to be nominated for yeah. Oscars for best actors and actresses. Like it was just so everyone in it was so good. Everyone in it was great. How crazy um, oh, is it that Barbenheimer lived up to the hype? That both dude, Barbie really and Oppenheimer were killer. First time in history that two movies were released on the same day and made both made over $80 million. That's never happened before that both movies made over that amount of money. Yeah. And Barbie, Barbie is going to make a billion dollars. Barbie made $500 million in a week, in a week. And it's still like, it's not going to be, it's going to be in theaters for a long time. That movie's going to make a billion dollars. And That's insane. Fucking David Zaslav at the top of this episode talking about, oh, we saved $100 million by not paying people. Those people that you're not paying made you a billion-dollar movie, so shut up yeah. and pay them some money, you dumb idiot. But as dumb as it guy. sounds, we're going to go back to one of our prior conversations. Even though Barbie is an existing IP, they went with a new concept and didn't just recycle yes. everything. Make yeah, a but good have movie. You also- Make a good movie. Make a good movie. But have you also heard that apparently the lesson that uh, yes. the studios oh, are I taking did. from this movie is that, oh, they must people want other movies based on toys. So we're going to green light a Polly Pocket movie written by uh, what's her face from Girls. I don't remember. Tina oh. Dunham. Like, yo, dude, I don't think people are clamoring for a Polly Pocket no. movie. Like, I don't, you're you are learning the wrong lesson. Classic do. studios, right? Classic, dumb, out-of-touch CEOs. Oh, they like movies about plastic toys. Oh, I mean, I haven't seen Barbie, but from what I've read, it's a lot more than just a movie about a plastic toy. Yeah. So, I don't know. Studios are idiots. I don't, yeah. I mean, Barbie and Ninja Turtles did good. Let's go with action figures and dolls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I am dying to see Barbie. I can't. I am hoping that I get to see it at some point. Um, but Oppenheimer was great. Um, I want to see it again because I feel like I went in not. I didn't know what my expectations were at all. I didn't know what to expect. But now knowing what to expect, I feel like I can re-examine it as like the film that it is. Um, so I'm excited to see it again. Uh, a couple one shots for you before we sign off tonight. Um, uh, oh, real quick. Oppenheimer. Um, do you remember a few weeks ago when there was a report that it was, there was some like loose rumor that Josh Hartnett 
was being considered for Batman in the DCU. Yeah. We talked about Josh Hartnett. I saw him in, he's in Oppenheimer fully, fully on board for him being Bruce really? Wayne in the okay. DCU fully on board. He's like filled out a little bit. Like he's, he's not no like the super gaunt, like yeah. sharp cheekbones, nineties, uh, Josh Hartnett. He just looks like a super hunky, hot, like burly man. And I'm like, and he's a great actor. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see you as Bruce Wayne, dude. hundred percent, hundred percent. Anyway, speaking of the DCU and upcoming DCU movies, Aquaman director James Wan was hospitalized this past week. Um, uh, via social media, James Gunn shared a picture of himself lying in a hospital bed saying, thank you, Cedar sinai for taking good care of me. And his spouse, Ingrid Bisu, um, reposted that image with additional context and said, it has been extremely rough and scary couple of days and nights. You never want to rush to the ER in the middle of the night and then have to stay in the hospital. Cedar sinai is truly the best. The best doctors, nurses, technicians, just the most wonderful people. James is safe now and on the mend. No mention of what happened to him. No mention of the ailment that he is suffering. But thank God James Wan is recovering from whatever happened to him, is in the hospital, and will be okay. So yeah. uh, thoughts and love being sent out to James Wan as he's recovering from some kind of mystery something from the set of Aquaman 2. Well... That's a mystery segue into Marvel announcing a new series of prose novels called Marvel Crime. Oh, interesting. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Hyperion Avenue, a subsidiary of Disney, will publish three superhero crime fiction novels based on Daredevil, uh, written by Alex Segura, Jessica Jones, written by Lisa Jewell, and Luke Cage by S.A. Crosby. Uh, All three of those 100% make sense to do that. Uh, yeah. you know, like we said, boots on the ground, give me street level. Uh, the first yep. book will come out in 2024 and the following two in 2025. So I, it's not my jam, but Hey, it seems like it'd fill a niche. Okay. So it's not your jam. I was going to ask you because you're like a big star Wars novel guy. You have read a lot of star Wars novels, but Marvel novels I, not appealing to you? I don't know. It's the crime fiction thing. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's like, yeah. I never have understood, like, people being obsessed with true crime and all that. And I know. I'm not a big true crime person. It just seems like you're just capitalizing off of other people's trauma and tragedy in a way that is <laughs> weird. Um, but it seems like that's what they're after. It seems like they're going after like the true crime audience. That's what my brain said. And that's partly yeah. that. I mean, that's why I'm like, uh, yeah, but Hey, if it ends up just being a daredevil novel or a Jessica Jones novel or a Luke Cage novel that just happens to be centered around them solving a crime. Sure. Right. But none of the three, I mean, well, I guess Jessica Jones, but, um, I was like, none of the three of them are Batman. Like they're not detectives. And then it's like, well, yeah, Jessica of, Jones is. Yeah, she legit is. So I guess yeah. that, that doesn't hold water. But Daredevil, he's a lawyer. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, I mean. Luke Cage, he's a hero for hire. Come on. What are you going to hire? I guess you could hire yeah. him to go whatever. I don't know. I, I, think, I mean, I think they could work. I think they picked three characters that certainly work for a street level crime fiction. You know what novel. else would work? A Lincoln Log movie. 
Are they saying that they're going to make a Lincoln Log movie? No, but the chat is clamoring for one. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, hey. That sounds dumb on surface level, but I never in a million years thought a movie called The Lego Movie would be awesome. And it's awesome. Everything's so, awesome, Mike. Exactly. Everything's cool <laughs> when you're part of a team. <laughs> Uh, so you never know you never know maybe you know if chris lord if phil lord and chris miller end up making the lincoln log movie then maybe it'll be i don't know but probably won't be i'm shocked they didn't green light a lincoln log movie the second that the lego movie made money right (laughs) like the connects movie yeah we need an erector set movie (laughs) i was about to i was gonna say the erector set movie and then i was laughing (laughs) for too long and you took it from me but yeah, um, interesting. I love Lincoln Logs. I play with those. Okay, chat. If you're pitching a Lincoln Log movie, really pitch it. And this is my question: Is Abraham Lincoln uh, a character in the Lincoln Log movie? Is it like his log cabin for real? Like, do you incorporate the namesake of the toy into the Lincoln Log movie adaptation? So because there's a delay in what we're saying and what's coming through on the chat, I think Brian beat you to it. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter should have had him killing vampires with sharpened Lincoln logs. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that movie. Did not know. Uh, on the, uh, in the uh, nothing is original and everything is remade, uh, mm-hmm. there is now a Lincoln Log Masters TV series because Lego Masters was a thing. Lego Masters. Come on, man. No one cares. Oh, no. That wanna... this Okay, never mind. I, I was wrong. Uh, it's just taking advantage of the title. Uh, this is actual uh, building, breaking down epic log homes and structures. Oh, okay. Logan. There you go. So th- a, this one actually makes sense, but... <laughs> yeah. I saw the title. I'm like, there's no way. Like, come on, guys. Do something. I know. For real. For real. All right. Our last one shot of the night. And this is just really a pat on the back to ourselves for being silly and somehow uh, precognizant of real world events. A couple weeks ago when we talked about the dark droids, uh, star Wars, dark droids comic event and how it in. Yep. Owned by Steve Haller issue one of which owned by Steve Haller. Um, uh, we were talking about how this was like a possession. There's some kind of weird entity that's possessing droids and possibly cyborgs meaning anybody that has robot parts, which technically includes Darth Vader, includes Fennec Shan, and then technically includes a Mr. Luke Skywalker. This was a clip that we even bumped out and we talked about. We put it on our social medias because we thought it was so funny. We thought we were so clever that Steve came up with a great idea like, oh, Luke Skywalker has a robot hand. If that robot hand gets possessed, it would be kind of like Evil Dead. And that's a Star Wars Evil Dead crossover that we didn't know we needed that we both laughed at and mm-hmm. loved and thought was so funny and silly. Guess what? We were kind of right. <laughs> An interview with StarWars.com, writer of the Star Wars Dark Droids event, Charles Sewell, said the following Dark Droids draws inspiration from horror masterpieces like Frankenstein, The Thing, and the Evil Dead series, among many <laughs> more. So you called it, Steve. 
I'm saying it. us, but I will give full credit to you. You were the one that came up <laughs> with the Luke Skywalker, Evil Dead possessed hand. And then we spiraled into Mark Hamill teaming up with Bruce Campbell as Luke Skywalker and Ash in a movie and that I would pay a million dollars to see that. Oh, 100%. How much money to see that movie? Yeah. Knowing that it would be terrible, but I just dying to see it. Yeah. Just dying no. to. That That is yeah. the the Army of Darkness sequel that we did not know we needed. Yep. Yep. Until Charles then. Sewell went on to say, I often put reference images into my scripts. Usually they're things like, here's a specific model of Stormtrooper I'd like to use, or this is what Buryaga's lightsaber hilt looks like. For dark droids, though, this reference images were key shots from horror films designed to evoke moods or moments. I'm a big fan of horror across mediums, and getting a chance to import that into Star Wars has been a fantastic opportunity. Well, Charles Soule, why don't you reach out to Mr. Sam Raimi and get something going? <laughs> get something going. That's all I'm saying. No. And Charles Soule, uh, longtime writer of Star Wars comics with like... Yeah. Obi-Wan and Anakin, the Vader series. Yep. Uh, he penned the main line for a good bit um, and has been absolutely instrumental in the High Republic. Yeah. Uh, so he he knows his way around a Star War and apparently also he knows sure his do. way around a uh, horror movie. Awesome. Well, we did it, Mike. We called it, Steve. Good job. Congratulations all and, around. And we, we made did it, it through a whole episode in an hour and 40 minutes. Hour and 40? God damn. We got to tighten this shit up. It's too long. <laughs> it's too long. Pull, pull, your, pull your shit together, people. Yeah, uh, really. So, yeah, here we are. Um, if you're still hanging around, you should probably listen to more of us by liking, <laughs> subscribing, and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts yep. or YouTube. Uh, if you're still listening, just keep listening. <laughs> appreciate all you guys in the chat uh it's it's been a been a fun night for um, sure thank you for hanging out Love and it. yeah let's uh check us out on socials i know mike's been real active on instagram the multiverse report um twitter's dead uh <laughs> beyond that it's the multiverse report wherever you can find us yeah yeah check us out and uh we'll be back far as i know next sunday unless we have more scheduling conflicts tba Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll let you know um but yeah every sunday youtube 9 30 unless otherwise noted on our social medias and um yeah that's it so until next time thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you in the multiverse mm-hmm.